Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year, for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now, and you can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Bali Kaur Jaswal is the author of Now You See Us, a novel. She's actually the author of five novels, including Erotic Stories for Punjabi Widows, which was a Reese's Book Club pick in 2018. Born in Singapore and raised in Japan, Russia, and the Philippines, Chaswell studied creative writing at Hollins University in Virginia and worked as an English teacher in Australia and Turkey. She has held fellowships at the University of East Anglia and Nanyang Technological University, where she also completed her PhD in South Asian diaspora writing. Her nonfiction has appeared in the New York Times, Harper's Bazaar India, Refinery29, and Salon.com, among other publications. By the way, in this episode, I could not remember the name of another book, and so I put that in the show notes after, so you can go check there. 
Welcome, Folly. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Now You See Us, a novel. Thank you so much for having me, Zippy. Of course. It's a pleasure. Okay. Can you please tell listeners what your book is about? So Now You See Us is a novel about three domestic workers in Singapore who um, band together to um, exonerate a, the, a friend of theirs who has been accused of murder, uh, you know, in a nutshell. <laughs> you do such a good job with setting scenes. Like, I feel like your book is so visual, whether it's the rainstorm with the bus driving by or people flying into this ministry of fine, you know, or the markets or checking the phone apps or like, like all these little moments are so real. So I guess my, one of my first questions is, is this going to be a TV show, a movie, any of those? Because <laughs> it feels very cinematic to me in the way that it's portrayed. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that because I think the the priority for me is world building, um, especially bringing a world to readers, like bringing a world like Singapore to readers who don't know much about it. I really wanted to get, you know, those details down. um, And I was really sort of, I've written other novels about Singapore before, but this was the first novel that I wrote about Singapore while actually living here and experiencing Singapore. So it felt overwhelming at times. Like there was just so much that I wanted to put into the novel that I had to really pare back um, in order to, you know, make way for the narrative and for the story. As for a movie, yeah, conversations are happening, but conversations are conversations. So I, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't say much. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I feel like it would be really great because, uh, yeah, I could just see it so well. And I haven't been to Singapore, so I feel like this is one of those books that really, like, took me somewhere, you know, like, mm-hmm. if you want to go to Singapore. Uh, but, of course, <laughs> this is, like, a lot of different parts and a, diff- a lot of different worlds and social strata and, and all of that. And each character I felt like so sympathetic towards, you know, whether it was like, what's her name? Dora Lee, who like comes in all, you know, looking all nice with her skin tight outfits, but then gets totally, <laughs> you, know, you know, she's like the, the, the rebel character basically like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Cora is sort of like the older, more experienced hiding secrets of her own from the past. And I, it's just, it's all, so interwoven and and awesome. Um, I read that you did just so much research on. Tell me all about the research that went into it, not just in what Singapore is like, mm-hmm. but also the this this culture of of staffing and help and and all of that. So I suppose the basis of my research, it, the, the 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 road into it was that um, when I was sixteen, my family actually moved to the Philippines, so we lived there for three years. And we moved there from Singapore, where I'm from. And there was a very controversial case here of a domestic worker from the Philippines who was executed in Singapore for murder, uh, for murdering her employer's child and another domestic worker. And growing up here with only one source of media, which was state-run media, uh, and very little internet at the time, I just, you know, wholeheartedly believed that story. Everyone did. And then we moved to the Philippines. And anytime someone asked us where we were from, we said we're from Singapore, people would say, oh, your country executed an innocent woman from our country. And I heard just a whole different side of that story. So that was really where the spark began. Um, it's strange to say, because I was, you know, that, that's over 20 years ago. But that was really a moment for me where I understood that there are different narratives about one thing, depending on where you are, um, and depending on who has stake and who has control over that narrative. So I think the backgrounds of these women and the you know the 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 the, the, um, the sort of the circumstances that lead them to come to Singapore that was all the, those narratives were were very part very much part of my formative years 
um, growing up uh, and living in the Philippines. And then, of course, writing this novel over 20 years later, I needed to sort of confirm some of those narratives and update some of those narratives and actually speak one-on-one with women um, to make sure that I wasn't just sort of hearing stories, you know, and, 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 and writing a novel based on details, really interesting anecdotes that I had heard rather than, you know, experienced and witnessed. So I, yeah, I, I contacted a number of domestic workers, some of whom I knew through various sort of writing groups in Singapore. Um, and then, you know, once, once you speak to one and, you know, you say, this is what I'm writing about, they contact their networks and, 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 and they start sharing. And so I had, I had quite a few people to speak to. And I also spoke to um, a domestic worker in Saudi Arabia, a couple of them actually, um, several years ago, before I even knew that I was going to write this novel, because it was just such a topic of interest to me that I just knew that I just wanted to know about their worlds and their lives. You should, oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting the name of it. If you haven't already, I'm going to put you in touch with this author. She wrote about this, but in India, and it's like 10 linked short stories, some of which are from the point of view of domestic workers, some from the employers. Mm. Oh, I'd I will, love to read that. I will think of it, but I feel like the two of you should be in conversation somewhere. I mean, I will, yeah. <laughs> my brain is not working so well. I'll, it'll come to me. Give, give, it, give it time to like swirl around. Okay. All right. uh, wait, first of all, why did your family move around so much? And how did you end up in this? How did you end up in Singapore to begin? With? Like, wh- tell me your family story a little bit. <laughs> well, so my, my family is Singaporean. My mom and uh, my dad was born in India, but we, he moved here when he was three. So very Singaporean. My, my mom was born here. Um, and my dad's job for the government, Singapore government, just required us to to move quite a bit. So it was sort of fortuitous that we ended up in the Philippines. Um, and 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 quite you know a, a quite an interesting time um, of conflict between two countries. Interesting. When you wrote from the point of view, there was one scene you had with Miss Elizabeth or Ma'am Elizabeth, I should say, and Cora when she's basically not asking Cora to do much of anything and wanting her Mm -hmm. to just accompany her to places and, you know, bring her to the good hospital versus the hospital she's supposed to use and all that. And and there's this moment where Cora is like, listen, you think you're being nice, but you're actually putting me in this very awkward position. And people are looking at me sideways. You're, it's making me feel uncomfortable in my own community. Like you're not being nice, just like cut it out (laughs) kind of thing. Um, (laughs) Tell me about that moment and how, how, how did the domestic workers you spoke to feel about that? Like, did they, like, did that come from somewhere? Did you make that up? Like, I found that to be very powerful. I think that problem, most of what happens between Cora and Mam Elizabeth came from Firstly, my desire to showcase what it's like to have um, a nice employer, a good employer, because there, you know, there, there's another employer in the book yes. who's absolutely awful. Um, and we hear a lot of those stories um, here, unfortunately. And with Mam Elizabeth, I wanted to show you know, the other side of things, but also to show that the other side also comes with its complications and its complexities, and that a lot of domestic workers want boundaries and they want to um, you know, draw a line between yourself and them. I mean, even in the conversations that I had with women, even though I said, you know, refer to me as Bali, like we're equals in this conversation, I'm not an employer. They still just couldn't really shake that. They still referred to me as miss. They were still sort of in their interactions with me, very tentative in, in the beginning. I think when we warmed up and stuff, then we started talking to each other and, you know, it, it, it changed a little bit, but there was still this sense of like, you have, you have power here. You have power in this country, and I, I do not. You know. So that said, though, they were very honest, um, and I, I didn't feel like they were they were holding back much when they started talking about what they've been through in Singapore. Did you have domestic workers yourself growing up or now? 
No, so not um, growing up, no, uh, we didn't have domestic workers. I did have, I, I should say, I do have a nanny for my son. Um, he's he's almost, he's turning six soon and our domestic Aww. worker, our, our, our nanny is um, going to leave us soon because, you know, he's become more independent. But yeah, that, that was something that I didn't put directly into the book. I wanted to kind of separate a little bit of my interactions with the the, the things that happened in the imaginary world that I was creating. But some of the... Some moments, things like, you know, the boundaries, things like, you know, wanting to kind of extend and say, you know, you can do this. You can, you know, like you should you should sit at the dinner table with us, for mm-hmm. example. Um, you shouldn't like wait for us to eat and then eat your your dinner. Like, that's absurd. She got quite annoyed about, you know, she was mm-hmm. kind of like, no, this is what I'm going to do. And we decided to just let her set the boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and just, you know, say, OK, you know what, whatever it is that makes you comfortable, you decide on what those are. And, and and we'll just leave it that way because I, I felt a little bit like the mom Elizabeth sometimes wanting mm-hmm. to sort of overreach in my effort to not be like the other employer, like the right. Mrs. Fan, yeah. right, that you hear about. Yeah. And then even the interactions with the domestic workers and the men, which is highly charged as well. You have one employer boss man who's throwing ashtrays at Cora from, you know, back in the day. And just, you know, even the advice, like, don't look too nice or the wife will think that the dad's going to be like staring at you, even if you're alone in your room, you know, with the door closed or whatever, you know, it's, it's a very tricky, tricky terrain to navigate and therefore, you know, makes like the most interesting fiction. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the fact that it didn't occur to me until I started writing this book that there's so many complications too. And I guess it didn't occur to me until we hired a nanny ourselves mm-hmm. that there are just so many things to navigate and negotiate when you are employing someone, but they live with you. Right. And in, in Singapore, like their identities are completely linked to yours. Mm. Um, her passport number is linked to my passport number. Mm. So like I had to kind of deal with this thing of like, I just had a child who was completely dependent on me. And yeah. I suddenly had this new person, this, this new little human being who was dependent on me. And then I also, eight months later, when we, when we decided to hire a domestic worker, I also had this woman in her thirties whose, you know, whose life was just so intricately linked with mine, even just bureaucratically, mm. officially. And, and it's, it's a lot to navigate. You're an employer in your own home, which is very strange. Interesting. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? 
Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I have to say, and I've like started debating whether I should even share this on this podcast, but growing up, my mom at, with my family, we've we had this wonderful housekeeper from the Philippines named Connie who came over when she was 18 and she lived with us for a time and then got married and my kids were in her wedding and literally was with us for, I don't know, 25 years and was like a part of our family in in Mm -hmm. so many ways. And then she was on her way to a bridal shower and in the Times Square subway station and this woman who had just been released from Bellevue pushed her in front of the subway (gasps) and killed her. Is that oh the most goodness. horrific thing? I know. I know. I was like not to bring the mood of this podcast down, but oh my goodness. yeah, it was horrific. And then it turned out that woman got put into prison where she then killed herself. Okay. I know. It was terrible. So, but I still, you know, she was such a part of my world. And, you know, every time yeah, I, yeah. you know, and she helped me so much when I was on bed rest, actually, to be honest, when I was, mm-hmm. couldn't do anything when I had twins. This is now, you know, almost 16 years ago, but she was so sweet and, you know, just like the nicest, most wonderful person. Anyway, so that's my. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Zinni. That's, that's my awesome. sad story of the day. Very but uh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. That was like maybe 2014 or something. Anyway. Oh, that's quite recent. Yeah. Maybe 13, 14, something like that. Anyway, moving on to writing. (laughs) So this book came after your last, you know, erotic stories for Punjabi widows, which was a Reese's Book Club pick. And then this came next. Had you written this prior to that being selected? Did you feel enormous pressure to write something? Like, what was that like? It's sort of in the aftermath of that. And how did that whole thing go down? How did you feel about all of that? And, you know, then going back to like regular writing and, you know, <laughs> tell me all well, that. I'll have to correct you there. It actually, oh, okay. There was a book, there was a book in between. Oh, um, I'm so sorry. I'm so oh, sorry. That's okay. So Erotic Stories came out in 2017. Uh, and um, two years later, my novel, The Unlikely Adventures of the Sherville Sisters came out. That was kind of the, the second part of a two book deal. Um, and part of the reason we hired a nanny was because I, couldn't okay. cope. I had a newborn and I couldn't cope with with meeting this deadline. And then, yeah, so so it's been it's been a couple of years since um, that novel came out. You know, the Reese's Book Club pick was just massive for for the novel. It was it, it was published in the UK first, and and then um, you know there was a, there was a deal between the UK and the US, so there was there was it was always meant to be released in the US, but. Something about Reese Witherspoon holding it up and saying, you guys should read this book really boosted it and really created this audience that then, you know, wanted to hear more and wanted to read more, which was just every writer's dream. So with the, yeah, with the follow-up book I had, I, I got to have that. I actually, I did have the idea for this novel a long time ago. Like I said, like, you know, that, that pivotal moment when I was a teenager, I think made me think, even though I didn't know then that I would write novels about anything, I did think this is something special has happened here. Like something, something that has opened up my world a little bit more has happened here and I want to hold on to it. And for years after that, I would come back to this idea of like, I'd like to tell the stories of, you know, people who work in other people's homes. And I'd like to tell this, I think that the story of that epiphany, that realization that, you know, that, 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 that someone who, is cast as guilty in one place or by one group of people can be completely innocent 
by another group. So I'm thinking that, but you know, it just, it wasn't formed yet. And I'm really glad that I didn't push myself to write it as a follow-up to erotic stories for Punjabi mm-hmm. widows, because I think that it would have been under-researched, quite sort of melodramatic. I think it would have followed a lot of the, um, it, it would have followed the line of a lot of the narratives that are out there about domestic workers. And there seem to be only two real, and they're real kind of binary narratives. There's either they're villainous, <laughs> they're here to take advantage of you, and you have to watch them all the time, or like they are these noble, you know, women who sacrifice all and are complete angels. And they're, and I just, the, the, the complexity and the nuance between those two things, the fact that like, like Donita, for example, her character, she is unapologetic about being, you know, quite sexy, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, and she doesn't fit, fit into this angelic role of sacrificing everything. They have selfish moments. They, you know, they, they, they have moments where they lose their temper or uh, where they sometimes, you know, are dishonest. Mm-hmm. And I, and I wanted to kind of put all of that in there to be like, you know, these, it, it, it seems so simple, but like the domestic workers are human beings <laughs> and, you know, and there's a great deal of nuance and there's a great mm-hmm. deal of, there's a whole lot of, of spectrum, I suppose, when it comes to morality, depending on the circumstances that you're in and, and, um, and, and what do you have to do to survive? And it's just not as simple as those two really kind of black and white narratives of, of, of what we know about domestic workers. So I'm quite relieved that it, yeah, it took a longer time to write this book. And that, you know, not just a complication between people, but at least in this book, and I don't know if this is actually the case, that you actually have to go somewhere and have them released from your employment. And, you know, it's a whole, it's like the DMV type of situation, like as if you need to register a new car. I mean, it's like ridiculous. And so I shouldn't say ridiculous. It is the way it is. It is. It's pretty ridiculous. I mean, another narrative that we hear all the time here and that I see in a lot of kind of ads and, and messages that I get from the government here like you know there'll be there'll be a campaign and sometimes it's, it, it looks really well intended and I think it is but it'll be like you know make sure that your um, domestic helper is getting rest days and make sure that you know you are um, looking out for her mental health things like that but then there's always this underlining that right after that it's like because she'll be able to work harder for you then and mm-hmm. she'll be able to do more for you it's mm-hmm. like they're really really seen as these productivity machines like when we first hired our nanny there was a time when I went to uh, the supermarket one day and I got into a conversation for some reason with someone in the checkout line who was wondering why I was buying a particular brand of um, a sort of a, a powder drink. Um, and I said, oh, I said, my my helper said, my helper likes this one. And he looked really confused that like she had put something on the shopping list for me to get for her. And then he went, finally, he like tried to justify it to himself and he went, well, if you get her the one that gives her more energy, then she'll work harder for you. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's a thing she likes. Yeah. (laughs) Like why not just do the thing for someone for the sake of doing it? Like it doesn't all have to lead back to, well, this will, you know, Mm -hmm. this will then make me more productive. This will make our nation more productive. Well, I also think, you know, with so much spotlight right now on, on privilege and differences and wealth and all of that, um, to have a narrative like this is, is really very important, um, especially mm-hmm. now and the nuanced way in which you did do it was really wonderful. And I don't know if there's how you feel about, you know, acknowledging privilege and all of that, but if you wanted to speak to that at all. Yeah, I think it's, 
it's interesting to read or to, to see the reactions and the and the way as well that the the book is sort of uh, marketed in the U.S. because I think there's there's this perception and certainly in the U.S. like um, and and in England and, and in most sort of Western countries I think you only really have um, help at home if you are quite privileged mm-hmm. and you do have that wealth. Whereas in Asia, it's quite different. The way that the systems are here are just different. There's an economy of scale that makes it quite mutually beneficial for women to come from Indonesia and the Philippines and earn in Singapore dollars and then remit those earnings back. There's also the fact that like, we don't have the same sorts of, we don't have the same sorts of structures that, how do I say this? There's, we, like, we just don't have, like, we don't have flexible working, for example, or we don't have it as much. Mm-hmm. So like your boss is writing you to work all the time. <laughs> and as a result, I'd like, you know, you have to go back to work after maternity leave. There's an assumption that someone is there looking after the kids. There's an assumption that someone is there making the meals. And 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 because of that, because everyone's got that, then it means that you can stay longer at the office. Mm. Um, so there, there are things like that. There's there's also there's a huge fear as well that people have of taking time off, you know, to to be with their kids, like taking their kid to the doctor or something. All of that gets eliminated. If you've got someone at home, I mean, you know how it is with kids, they get sick all the time. <laughs> I have one, <laughs> one in the next room. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you always, yes. there's always like the rotation <laughs> thing, like right? There's someone, always yeah. someone. Yeah. Yes, you don't so even, know. I think even yeah, <laughs> for the people who are like, you know, I won't have a domestic worker, like for whatever reason, like I don't have the space or I don't have, you know, I don't, I just don't want my privacy intruded on like that or anything. It ends up being the default way of getting on with your life mm-hmm. and, and, and getting back on that treadmill. Because there are just not many options for, yeah, for, for, for pulling your kid out of school and staying home with them and working from home. Like we just don't have those, those sort of employment protections in the same way. Yep. I forgot what your original question was. Did the book come out in Singapore or the Philippines and or the Philippines? It has come out in Singapore. I'm not sure about the Philippines, actually. I think it would be exported to different countries in Asia. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure when it, it hits the shelves in the Philippines. And how was the reception in Singapore? So far, I mean, it's only been out for a month now. Still, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's been a, it's been a good reception so far. Yeah, the reviews that I've gotten in, in um, the national newspaper have been very positive. Um, so that's good. Singaporean readers, it's interesting. There's a, a difference again. American and British readers, or people you know that I've spoken to, like who are hosting podcasts and things like that, have described it as so dystopian <laughs> and like, wow, the way you portray, you know, like it just seems, it just feels so dystopian and it feels satirical. And then people in Singapore have gone, feels really real. <laughs> feels, feels very much like the world that we live in. So I don't, I don't know what that says. Interesting. Oh <laughs> it doesn't gosh. feel that satirical when, yeah. when you're here. I don't think. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. So what are you working on now? I am just working on having some rest. <laughs> I do have, I do have like the beginnings of some ideas about a novel, but it's really early. I, I'm not sure how much I can say because I really don't know if I'll commit to it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm still writing. That's the okay. thing. Sounds good. <laughs> What's your? What are some of your favorite things to do when you're not writing? Like, what do you like to do on the weekends? And- oh, I like to take long walks. I really, I really, I, I think again. I guess that feeds back to the writing, but something, something just clears my head um it's movement you know something about movement just kind of um does something to my sense of creativity or just my my sense of groundedness and then I also just like hanging out with my kid going swimming because it's so humid and hot in Singapore <laughs> so doing a lot of that yeah very very simple very simple pleasures 
No judgment. That sounds lovely. (laughs) (laughs) I walked a little bit this morning. I mean, not like a walk, like maybe 15 minutes or something. Um, Like, wow, this is like exercise to me now. This used to be like, (laughs) I walked to the gym and now this is like exercise itself, but that's fine. Anyway. Well, Bali, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on and talking about Now You See Us. And um, I'm excited to follow along. And I'm sorry again about missing that other book. (laughs) I didn't do enough research, but I was reading the book. So there you go. <laughs> That's fine. Anyway. It was really great to talk to you, Zivi. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Thanks for coming on. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.